You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Church at Home. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for tuning in today as we wrap up a series called Famous Last Words, where we're looking at the last words of Jesus to his disciples at the Last Supper. So listen, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open up to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be today. John 15. While you're turning there, I want you to just go a little bit introspective and, and maybe a little bit abstract uh, by beginning with a question and, and sort of to evaluate this. Here's what I just wonder if you've ever asked this question. What is going on in my relationship with God? Let me say it again. What is going on in my relationship with God? And I don't mean in the sense of like, okay, like, God, what are you working behind the scenes? I mean, just like, why is this a thing? Like, what is it that, that God is doing in you and in me when we receive Christ, when he saves us? Okay, like, we believe in the heaven thing. We believe in the in the, the being purified thing. We believe in the new life thing. But okay, like, why? What is happening in all of it? Like, have you ever just sort of stopped to go, okay, why is a relationship with God a thing? Like, what is he doing? What is going on in in my relationship with God? Well, that's what we're going to answer today as we dig into uh, this teaching from Jesus to his disciples at the Last Supper. And so uh, if you have a Bible, John 15, again, is where we're going to be. We're going to start in verse one, which says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Let me say that again. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. You're like, that's a little bit weird of a agricultural statement. So I just want to pause for a second. Um, and unpack it because it's actually a really big statement. Like, and for most of us, if we've ever, if you've ever read the uh, the Gospel of John um, before, chances are good that the way you hear this statement and, and the and the passage we're going to read is not necessarily how Jesus's disciples would have heard it. So I want to just um, understand some things towards it. So he says, "I am the true vine; my Father is the gardener." Uh, if you've been with us as we've gone through the Gospel of John, you may remember that we've talked about this thing called the "I am" statements of Jesus and John. That when Jesus uses this phrase as I am, he's using a very specific uh, Greek phrase, ego a me. Uh, and, and it's meant to remind you of in the Old Testament, if you remember where Moses meets God and like way back in the book of Exodus and, and Moses says like, you know, what's your name? How will the people know that you've sent me? And God's response is I am that I am. Well, Jesus, when he talks about I am this, I am that, the way that he words it is basically he, he's, he's putting the name of God on himself. And this right here, this I am, the vine, is the last uh, I am statement of Jesus in the Gospel of John. It's the final one. But but the, the significance of it cannot be understated because here's the thing. Throughout the Old Testament, this idea of being a vine, um, this, like the Old Testament is just littered with examples of this language of like God being gardener of vine, but the vine is always spoken of as Israel. Like if you were to go back in the Old Testament and we talk about like uh, people being vines, it was always the nation of Israel from whom Jesus came. So I'll give you some examples. So for instance, and this is how Jesus' uh, disciples would have heard it because remember, listen, they're, they're good Jewish boys. They know their Old Testament. And so look, for instance, you find in Isaiah 50 or Isaiah 5 verse 7, it says this, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. Again, I mean, you can find it also in Jeremiah, you can find it in Ezekiel, you can find it in the Psalms. Here's, here's one from Hosea, Hosea 10.1. Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself. 
As his fruit increased, he built more altars, and as his land prospered, he adorned his sacred stones. And this is talking about how like, like Israel was a vine, but it was rebelling against God. And so one of the things we have to understand is like when Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine, instantly their minds go back to all these Old Testament examples of not a person, but a nation being a vine. But Jesus wants us to see something very, very specific as he's come from Israel. And simply this, that with Jesus being the vine, he's the one who connects you to God. He's the one who, who, like, you know, if God is the gardener, Jesus is your way to God. And all that we are as people are just branches in one stock. Him. God is the gardener. It's all his. But this idea of, okay, like, uh, it being a, a, a vine, because, like, why, why is Jesus bringing this up? What's the, sim- like, the symbolism of, say, like, calling something a vine? Well, to them, it's a few things. Number one, um, listen, a vine was a symbol of life. Right, like it, it was life springing up from the ground. It was a, a symbol of vitality, right? I mean, like you know, with, with vines growing, there's fruit coming off of them. So there's 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 just yeah, vitality to it. Also, it's a symbol of enjoyment. Like you know, what what happens with the fruit of the vine? Well, you make wine, man. That's what that's what you do with it. Sorry, Baptists. And here's the thing: like what Jesus is saying is, listen, like I am all of these things. Okay, listen, I'm life and I'm vitality and I'm enjoyment. I bring all these things in your relationship with God. And so he says in verse two. Talk about God the Father. He says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And, and they would get this. I mean, maybe you've seen gardeners, what they do. Like you, know, you have a vine, and with time, maybe like dead vines or or dead branches grow along with the vine. So a gardener, to keep it from being choked, like they cut the dead branches off to get them out of the way so that in the right season, the vine flourishes more, it produces more fruit. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying. So here's, here's the big deal. Okay, so if we're asking, okay, what is going on in my relationship with God? Well, according to what Jesus is teaching here in John 15, it's really simple. Number one, with this idea of being a symbol of life and vitality and enjoyment, God through Christ, as we are our uh, branches grafted into the vine, okay? God through Christ is creating you to be a source of delight to him. Do you know that? that? That through Jesus's sacrificial work on the cross, you are completely blameless to God. Hey, God doesn't need anything, but he wants you. You know why? Because you are a source of delight to him through Christ. That's the first thing. Number two, he's removing anything that gets in the way of that. So okay, as you're going through life, God has he set you apart to himself, all right? He's removed you from your old way. He's put you into new life with him for life, vitality, and enjoyment. But then anytime, like any branch here is what Jesus is saying, like you know, any branch that doesn't bear fruit, he cuts and gets out of the way. So maybe you've had this happen in your life where, okay, here's what it could look like, all right? So you're going through life, and you know, like you were praying for a job to get, right? Like you really wanted this job or that. Okay, you pray, you pray, you pray, and, and you don't get it. Maybe at this moment, years later, you look back on it and you go, oh man, if I had gotten that job, this, this, and this would have happened. That would have been terrible for my heart. That would have been terrible for my life. Or, you know, like, I mean, I was hanging out with these people and I loved them and, and our relationships fell apart and I was so heartbroken. But looking back on it, man, if I had stuck there, there's all these ways I would have been formed as a person that would not have been good. Well, what's going on? Well, what's going on is, listen, God the gardener is cutting off everything that does not bear fruit to just craft you more to be a source of delight to him, to be full of life. I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not grasping at straws here. Here's what Romans 8.28 says about this. It says, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, God is working everything out so that, you know, for those of us who love him, he's just bringing it all together, like for our 
benefit. And I want to just bring this up because sometimes what happens is, and, and what could have happened with Jesus' disciples is they could hear this as a threat. So when, so when Jesus says, all right, listen, my father cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Some of us, what we want to do, particularly if we're more legalistic uh, thinking is we want to go to something like this. We go, oh man, if I don't get it right, God's going to cut me off, right? So, okay, listen, if, if, if I, you know, sin one too many times, if I'm not holy enough, if I don't pray enough, if I don't read my Bible enough, don't go to church enough, don't share my faith enough, then God's going to cut me off because I'm not bearing fruit. To which you need to read verse three, because Jesus immediately removes that type of thinking from the conversation. And so he says in verse three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So it doesn't, God's cutting everything off in your life. It's not being free. He's molding everything together so that you will be a source of life, vitality, and enjoyment to him and to the world. And listen, so that you don't fall into this thinking of, oh my, my gosh, God's out to get me. No, no, you're already clean. It's already done. God, the creator who has spoken everything into existence. Just hear, hear this, okay? Listen, remember, go back to Genesis. Okay, remember what, remember how the world's created? God spoke and it was so. And here we see again, the word of God coming forward. When Jesus says, you're clean, you're clean. Why? Because he spoke it. When Jesus says, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Your sin's really gone. Why? Because he spoke it. When Jesus says, listen, I've made you that way. It is so, not because you did it, but because he did. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Everything's being worked out on your behalf. And just breathe in that. Huh. Seriously, just breathe in that for a second. Everything in your relationship with God has been done for you already by Christ. Everything. What do we do with that? What's our response? How, okay, with that type of news, wow, you mean really like God has worked everything and is working everything on my behalf if I believe in Jesus? Yes. What do I do with that? Well, Jesus gives you the what you do with that. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. And, and to understand, let's just one more time read it again. Remain in me as I also remain in you. To understand what he's saying by remain, some translations will say abide. Uh, this word that we translate as remain, or maybe your Bible says abide, is the Greek word meno. Um, and it's actually been used by Jesus before, actually at the Last Supper. So, you know, typically, if you want to understand how uh, a word is best to be understood, see how the person who spoke it used it. Well, here's how it was used uh, just in the previous chapter in John 14. You might remember when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit and, and we read uh, this passage last week. You remember what he said about the Holy Spirit? He talks about it in John 14, 17. He says, it's the spirit of truth. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. And look at this, for he lives with you and will be in you. In this phrase where, like we translate it, for he lives with you and will be in you. Uh, there, there's where the, the word may know is. The, the, the idea of like the Holy Spirit being present and living and residing in you and in me, it's the same word. And so here's the point. Okay, listen, when we talk about this idea of, okay, Jesus says, listen, remain with me. Here's what he's saying. Listen, live with me just as I live with you. Walk with me. Do life with me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Like You're not going to be able to do any of this apart from me. Because like, I'm the one who's your righteousness. I'm the one who's your standing with God. I'm the one who's forming you perfectly, who's molding your life. All I ask is that you stick with me. Now, here, just think about this for a moment, okay? Um, the, the privilege of that, because sometimes what happens is we're so used to spirituality. Maybe if you've been doing the Jesus thing for a while, uh, you just get used to the ideas of it and so they become commonplace in your life. So I want you just to understand the honor of that, that the God of the universe, the one who made uh, everything, looks at you and he's invited you into a relationship. 
He's invited you into doing life with, not for, with him. Let me say it this way. Um, so just to be fair, think of somebody that you admire right now. I just think about like, it's preferably somebody living. It'd be weird if they were dead, but just somebody like, think about like, everybody has heroes. Everybody has people that they, they look up to. Think of somebody that you absolutely admire. You, you think about the stuff that they've done in life and you go, man, I wish uh, I could do that or I really respect what they did. Just think about it. Okay, now, now imagine you saw that person. You were, I don't know, you, you were going to Weiss and they were just in the checkout of Weiss. Now, again, depending on who it is, that might be weird, but just imagine, you know, like Queen Elizabeth at Weiss, but okay, just imagine it could happen. All right, all right. I don't, I don't know if, if, if you like Queen Elizabeth, fine, but whatever. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, imagine you saw this person you admire there, and they went, oh my gosh, it's you, and they said your name. And they went, I'm so glad I ran to you. I would look, hey, listen, I don't know what your day looks like today, but could you just spend the day with me? I've got some stuff going on, but I would love to just hang out with you, or you know what? Uh, where are you going? To? I'll go with you. Wherever you're going, I'm in. Now, would that blow your mind? Would you be humbled by that? Would you go like, oh, wow. Well, of course, most of us would. And see, that's what God has invited us into. The Supreme One, the one who has made everything. He says to you and to me, come, remain with me. Do life with me. You know what's weird to me? Um, so one of the things that I've been encountering um, during this COVID season um, and if you're, some of you, you're going to be like, right now, you're going to be like, oh man, Pastor Burt's airing my grievances. I'm not. There's just been a very, very common need and heartfelt uh, issue that a lot of the people that I've been talking to this COVID season have been feeling, and it's isolation. How many people, like, have I had this conversation with? I mean, it's just so seen common right now. Like, man, I just wish that I had more friends around me right now. I just wish that so-and-so would invite me over, that I could hang out with somebody or, you know, my friends who I care about. They just, they never call. And, and a, a lot of people are feeling that way right now where there's just kind of this, like, oh, man, I'm on my own. And I want to tell you, number one, you're not on your own. Because the best friend that you could ever have has invited you into relationship. And is there a place for uh, personal fellowship? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I want you to understand the depth to which God desires friendship with you. Remain in me. Like live in me just as I live in you because he's passionate about you. Like, you know, this past week even, I'm sitting here and I've been reading through this passage and I'm, and I'm being blown away by this idea of God just like inviting us to remain with him. And I, and I remember I had this moment uh, I think it was Wednesday morning. I was just praying. And I was like, Lord, do you, do you really want to spend time with me? Because for how many of us, like we, we treat it like a chore. We, we think this idea of like spending time with God, is, we call it a spiritual discipline. I think, I think it's, that is such a disservice to our relationship with God to call something a spiritual discipline because we associate discipline with, with taking away life, not giving it. Like we associate discipline with, okay, it's something I've got to do. But to like, I mean, no one has to discipline me to eat chocolate cake. And just to, like, to be clear, like I enjoy chocolate cake. Nobody has to discipline me to watch WandaVision. Well, I like watching WandaVision, but like, why? Because I just, I enjoy, I thrive in it. Yet when it comes to our relationship with God, how many of us, this idea of spending time with the author of life who desires life, vitality, enjoyment for us in our time with him, we just go, oh man, I guess I got to because I should. And I had this moment Wednesday morning, I'm praying and, and I just said, Lord, do you really want that? Like, do you, like the way that I'm reading this, do you really want to spend time with me? And before I, I could even give space for listening, the Holy Spirit just spoke so clearly to my heart. He just went, more than anything. 
more than anything. And before you go, oh, Bert, you're being prideful or you're, or you're fabricating, let me just point something out to you because I don't think I am. Because the more than anything wasn't just for me, it's for his kids. It's for you as well. Well, no, like maybe, maybe like that personal and re- almost uh, just intimate understanding of God uh, might just be jarring to you and you want to shut that down. Um, I would just point out to you that, again, God needs nothing, right? Um, and so if fellowship with us is what it, like, like if Jesus had to die to wipe away our sin, to bring us into fellowship with him, listen, what more could you want? Like, like just say it this way, you couldn't want something more than to lay down your life for it. Like there's, there's, there's no, like, I, like, I mean, we talk about like spending money on stuff and how, like, listen, if something's really important to us, we'll spend a lot of money on it if, if we really, really want it. Okay, like, listen, Jesus bought us at the cost of his blood. So yes, I think it's absolutely in keeping with the gospel to say, yeah, you know what? God wants us more than anything because he's given his entire life to make that a reality. And I'm just, I'm learning this in my, in my own time with the Lord. You know, one of the things I like to do, and listen, you know, I said time with the Lord that, that for you, that might be morning, might be afternoon, might be evening. For some people, they, they spend time inside. Others, they spend time outside. Some people play music. Others love to sit in the stillness and the quiet. Some read their Bible for chapters at a time. Others grab a verse. I mean, I don't know. Just however the Holy Spirit speaks to you. For me, one of these moments, I love to worship. I love to grab my guitar and I'll sing to the Lord. And that's a time for just him and me, you know? And I had this moment where I was just, Playing it, and one of these songs. Maybe if you've been around for a while, you've heard this this song, um, older worship song. It goes, it's called "Draw Me Close to You." You remember that song? Or, you know, "Draw Me Close to You." That's why I'm not in the worship band. Never let me go. I'd lay. Is that the lyrics? I'd lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do, because no one else could take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace, just sing this to God. Help me find the way. Bring me back to you. And then the chorus goes, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed, you know. And I'm singing that. And I'm just like, oh. Like, Lord, will, will you meet me in this place as I'm playing my guitar, you know. And the Spirit, he just spoke. He said, sing it as though I'm singing it to you. And I just, I mean, I, it's been 20 years I've known that song. But I flipped it, Draw me close to you. Like James says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And here's the Spirit just singing, draw me close to you. Huh? Never let me go. Remain in me, abide in me, do life with me. Because I'd lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. Like to hear him say that, my gosh, that he laid down his life and he'd do it again. You are my desire. Hear these words. No one else will do that. that, Listen, you are the apple of God's eye. You are his people. You are his bride. Like nothing else will satisfy him than having you. Because no one else could take your place. You are irreplaceable. And I'm just thinking like, oh, like just tears streaming down my face. And we get to that, you're all I want. I lost it, man. That's the heart of the father. That's the action of the son. That's the presence of the Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. Why? Because we won't make it on our own. And how many of us, we, we reduce God's activity and our faithfulness. We, we think it just comes down to white-knuckling stuff. We think, man, if I can just, if I can just abstain from sin long enough, there's no life in that. That's just, that's just personal discipline. 
And so here's what Jesus says in, in verse four of John 15. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. That's him. Neither can you, just in, in case he wasn't clear, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so he says in verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, listen, stay with me, Jesus would say. Stay with me and I'll change you. Stay with me and I'll bring you the success in your walk with me that you hope for. Stay with me and I'll bring you the joy and I'll bring you the life and I'll bring you the satisfaction. But how many of us, come on, what we do is we expect it to be a light switch moment. We expect, okay, I'm going to do this and I'll get it immediately. Maybe not. Maybe he's forming us, remember, over the long haul. Like he's working all things out. Like he's pruning the branches. Sometimes we're aware of his presence. Sometimes we're not. But he's always working on our behalf. So verse 6, he says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Why? Because the branch is dead. So if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch, you're, you're like a dead branch thrown away and it withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire to be burned. Again, this is not a threat of hell. This is the idea like, you're not gonna make it without me, Jesus would say. Without me, hey, like just as a, as a branch can't produce fruit, it's useless. Without me, Jesus would say, you're useless. You will not thrive. You will not grow. You're not strong enough because you lack the very nature to grow and that is life because he is the life. So he says, abide in me. Stay with me and I'll change you. Stay with me, I'll bring you what you're desiring in your heart. And how many times have I learned this, man? How many, I, I'm sure you've never had this moment. Have you ever prayed for God to help you love people better? I'm sure you're so spiritual, maybe you haven't, but I have. Some people drive me nuts. And I'm like, God, I mm, got that text message and so-and-so said this thing and I, I just want to bring up how the, mm, but you know, right? How many times have I been bitter? How many times have I been jealous? How many times have I been so broken? And then I go. I just spend time in the quiet with the Lord, abiding in him, listening for his leading, letting the spirit just minister to my heart, giving him the time to do that. And I leave and it's the, it's the darndest thing. I'm just, I'm not bitter anymore. I'm not jealous and I'm, I'm not mad, and, and I find myself praying for the people that made me mad. Not, not, not prayers of God's judgment and fury, but for blessing and that they would thrive. I mean, what is that? Well, that's the vine. That's the vine saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to make you different. I'm going to make you new. He does it. Only he can do it. And, and I, I want to just say this here, listen, because I think for, for the problem for so many of us, we, we live defeated, we live miserable, we're content to do so. And, and I think it just, it's this problem right here. That, listen, the problem is that we're disconnected from the vine. How many people have I talked to you? And Pastor, I'm struggling with, the, you know, like I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. And, you know, like I, I just feel like I have to enjoy my relationship with God anymore. And I just have, like, it just feels old. And I don't know what to do. And my question like, okay, tell me about your, your time one-on-one -on -one with God. Without fail, it's almost always non-existent. Like, like without fail, like why? And am I saying that a relationship with God can simply be gauged by feelings? No, never. Feelings are fickle. They come down to the tacos you ate last night. No, but I do believe this. I do believe that you cannot thrive in a relationship with God without spending time with him. Um, Thomas Merton said it like this one time and I just thought it was so brilliant. He said, ministry without prayer is the highest form of arrogance. 
Ministry without prayer is the, the highest form of arrogance. And I would just say that, like, listen, all of us do ministry. Ministry is serving God in life. And Merton's point is simply this, like to say, listen, I'm going to serve God, but I'm not going to spend time seeking his face. I'm going to serve God, but I'm not going to listen for him and, and let him be like transforming me. And I would just say, are you in the vine? Are you in the vine? Because the problem is we, we, just, we think we're so smart. Oh man, I've got it all together. I can work all this out. I can work all that out. And, I, and listen, have you just have you not reached the point yet where you're just like, man, you know, I don't want to read another book. I don't want to listen to another podcast. I don't want to go to another service. I don't want to listen to it. Like, I just want to spend time with God because He's the only one who satisfies me. And if you have it, man, hit stop on this video right now. Just go spend time with Him. Like, I'm speaking to you, but the honest truth is I can never minister to your heart in the way that the Holy Spirit speaking to you can. Because he used this time together for sure. But don't think that this can replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship remaining in, abiding in the vine who is Jesus. And I've learned that the hard way. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. We came to Delaware back in 2009 to plant this church. Felt very clearly the Lord had led us here to do that. And um, very, very early on, uh, I began to get discouraged when the church did not have the results that I wanted it to have, namely uh, people showing up. And um, it's a funny thing. Like when you write, I mean, I, mean, I, I should probably be more spiritual than this. I should probably be like a prophet. It's like, if they listen or don't, that's on them, but I will I will be faithful to the Lord. But the truth is, listen, like if I work hard on, all week on a talk and nobody listens to it, it hurts my feelings. So um, that's where I was. Like, and more and more I, I, I worked and worked and I wanted to see God do stuff and it wasn't happening. And, and as I worked and worked, I prayed less and less. And I began to not spend time with the Lord at all. Like, but I, I was good enough at... Uh, being spiritual that I could fake it if anyone ever asked. Of course, no one ever did. But if they had, I had my answers, you know, in my head. So like, hey, bro, what are you reading this this week in your Bible? Oh, well, I'm reading this, which just happened to be the, the Bible text that I was working on for a sermon because um, I had to do it for work. About five years in, I reached this point where I was running on fumes and uh, I knew that if something didn't change, soon I was going to quit. I, just, I, just, I knew that was coming. And so um, I decided to take a sabbatical uh, we were at a time then we were really, it was simple as I, I just told our leaders, hey, I'm leaving for a month. Um, so, you know, figure it out. And uh, and luckily we had Pastor Josh. He was interning with us at the time. He was 18. Do you believe this? And I just told this 18-year-old kid, I was like, you're preaching for a month. Good luck. And I left. That's terrible. That's bad leadership. But I did it. I'm not proud of it. Okay. So Josh is off camera. He's nodding. Yes, he, he remembers. And, um, and so uh, my wife and I... Uh, we left. I went to Colorado. Katie's aunt has a place out there in the mountains. And um, I decided, you know, what? I was going to spend some time with God while I was there. And I remember having this morning where it's, her aunt has a giant window and there's like nothingness out there. Just huge valley and then a mountain behind me. And you look at it, you're like, oh, I'm small, you know. And I'm looking at this and I open my Bible and I had this book uh, that uh, a friend had recommended I read uh, by a guy named Lance Witt. It's called Replenish uh, slash Leading from a Healthy Soul. And so I'm reading the book and very, very early uh, in the book, Witt asks a question along these lines. He just says, listen, um, if everything that you desired never came to fruition, would Jesus be enough? And I hated that question. 
because I knew the answer was no. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, God, how did I get here? I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where like you're in life and you're just like, okay, I know where I was. I know where I am. Like how did, how did like I get from point A to point B? Cause I don't like point B. So like, how did I get to these places? Like, I, I, God, I don't love you anymore if I'm just being honest. And, and as I say this, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly and he just went, you're using me. And it wasn't mean, but it's, it's, he just lovingly rebuked me. You're using me. Like, what? He goes, listen, you only read your Bible to get sermons. You only pray for me to advance your career. We have no relationship. Look at this. My heart broke. And over about the next year, God repaired me and brought me back to my first love. Back to abiding in the vine. And church family, I need you to hear this today. Should you do things for the Lord? Yes. Should you look for opportunities to serve him? Yes and amen. Should you stay away from sin and do everything you can to live a holy life to follow the Lord? Yes and amen. But understand something, apart from him, you can do nothing. It's his righteousness being worked out on your behalf and it is nothing but miraculous that comes from the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You need to abide in the vine. Remain in him and invite him into your life. Invite him to walk with you no matter where you go and also just spend time with him. You will not thrive apart from it. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough to produce life within yourself. It's got to be the word of the creator who's declared you clean. And so today I just want to pray for you. I want to pray blessing over you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just pray and seek the Spirit together. Lord Jesus, we invite you into this moment. And I thank you because there are, I thank you for my brother and my sister um, who you're speaking to through this moment, who they realize they've gotten off center from life with you, but you're bringing it up because you love them like crazy. This is not a, oh man, they're not performing well enough. This is a, I want my kid moment. You're just, you're just like salvaging. Like you just want them so bad. So Lord, I thank you because you're bringing them into your presence. You're bringing them into your heart right now. A heart not of rejection, a heart not based on performance on their part, a heart not based on like them doing things well enough. No, this is about you loving your children. And so Lord, here we are in this moment and we say, forgive us of our arrogance, please. And we ask you, Fill us afresh with your spirit today and let us fall in love with you all over again. We love you. We praise you. We do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church family, I forgot to say happy Palm Sunday. It wasn't a Palm Sunday message. I didn't say anything. I don't even have a leaf here, to be honest with you. But uh, happy Palm Sunday. Bless you guys. We'll see you Friday night for a good Friday service at 7 p.m. on our online campus and YouTube. Uh, and have a great night.